Well, hello, church, and good morning. Boy, do I love Orchestra Sunday. Hasn't the music been amazing this morning? Oh, my goodness. I love it. Thank you so much. I, we obviously, we get to hear our choir all the time. I always love our choir, but thanks especially. We had extra people join the choir this week, and we had a whole bunch of musicians up here on stage. So grateful for that. I am supposed to say, uh, and I do mean this, we can always use more people in the choir and more people in the orchestra. So if that's kind of the kind of thing you're interested in, uh, reach out. Let somebody know. Put that on your connection card or something like that. We'll get in touch with you. We always need more voices and more musicians. So, wow, they sounded amazing. Uh, hey, listen, tons to celebrate today. We wrapped up Love Month last week. Love Month has just been incredible this year. Here, I got a couple pictures real quick, some stuff going on. Here are some people at Coalition for Kids. Here are some people at the Village delivering flowers. We've got some people dropping off cards at the fire station. Uh, well, actually, those look like the firefighters receiving the cards. Uh, here's a crew uh, at the Habitat for Humanity Restore, and then this next one is uh, at West Main. Uh, looks like they're sorting clothes as part of our home ministry uh, down at West Main Church. That's just a few highlights from Love Month. Tons of stuff going on. It was an amazing uh, Love Month. Here's something else cool that we're celebrating. I just think this is amazing. This just happened last night. Last night, uh, the East Tennessee American Advertising Association gathered to hand out their awards for the year, and our design team won the award for the best mailing campaign. You remember the For Everyone mailing that we did for our Sunday night service last year, and all For Everyone logos everywhere? Well, this is the award that we won for the best direct mail campaign. So um, we do. We love our designers. They're doing awesome stuff. I think what we're printing right now and our videos and our logos are just gorgeous, and I love every one they ever do. And that's just really cool that, I, that the regional advertising award people thought we did a good work too. So there you go. That's pretty cool stuff. Oh, hey, listen, one other thing. I was supposed to mention this last week and I forgot. Um, the Financial Peace University class kicks off tonight. I just tell you, it's, it's the best thing ever. Here's how I remembered I forgot, is that somebody came up to me in between services and said, Ethan, why didn't you tell people about financial peace? It starts next week, and we did it two years ago, and it changed our lives. You have to tell everybody about it. Okay, so that's my plug. Uh, if you need help budgeting, managing money, uh, maybe, maybe sometimes it's really good for, sometimes for young couples that are figuring out how to manage money together, or for people that have been doing it a long time but realize they've gotten over their head. Financial Peace University, that starts soon. Uh, sign up uh, for that. All right, so love like Jesus. Uh, the, the, the series, it's just so simple. Uh, we're just saying if we're Christians, we're supposed to live like Jesus, which means we need to love like Jesus. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, we, we've, uh, we've been reminded that, that our table can be a place of mission if we make our, our table uh, a, a way that we express the love of God. We've been reminded that, that but, but when we love like Jesus, every time we see a stranger, they are really our neighbor. And that one of the things it means to love like Jesus is to learn to see our neighbor whenever we meet a stranger. Last week, we talked about the fact that if we're going to love like Jesus, then even when people oppose us, when people are our enemies, we will pray blessing for them. And we said, if you can't figure out where to start, just pray that they'll enjoy their lunch. You could just start there. Just pray for their lunch. And that might be a place that you could start. Somebody came up to me last week 
And they said a couple nice things about the, you know, the sermons, whatever, like people do, which was nice. And they said this to me, and I thought this was really helpful. They said, Ethan, you know what is so hard about this whole Love Like Jesus series is that every single one of these goes against our natural human instincts. And, and, and you know, I was just like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's what's, what's so hard about this whole series is to make our table a place of mission instead of a place of refuge goes against our instincts. Uh, to, to treat strangers like neighbors instead of like strangers, that goes against our instincts. And to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, it just, it just goes against, I mean, everything about loving like Jesus goes against our instincts. So I'll just say, if, if you, like me, are kind of every, and when every one of these messages, as we look at how Jesus loved, if your first reaction is, I could never love like that, listen, you are in good company. I expect that's what everybody in the room is feeling. I know that's what I'm feeling. How could we possible, possibly love like Jesus when loving like Jesus always requires us to discipline, to, to, to hold in check our natural reactions and instead to ask, okay, how would Jesus react? What would Jesus do here? How would Jesus feel? And, and that's true again this week too. Uh, this week, uh, the, the invitation to love like Jesus starts with the observation that all of us, all us humans, naturally always are dividing up the world in between us and them. Like all the time, we're always making little groups of us, and everybody else is a them. It's just one of the ways we make sense of the world. Trying to keep track of everybody all at the same time is just so hard. So if we put some of the people in the group called us, and other people in little groups called them, it just makes the world a little easier place. Sometimes we call this tendency in us tribalism. You'll hear that word to describe a pattern. There's my tribe, and there's that tribe, and that tribe, and that tribe. And, and when you meet a person, kind of the first thing you try to figure out is whether they're one of us, or they're they're one of them. And the them in this case might not be my enemy. I mean, it could be my enemy like we talked about last week and then we got to love them. But, but it might not be my enemy. It just might be anybody who's not us. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we moved here in the fourth grade. We moved to Elizabethan. And listen, I had a great time in Elizabethan. I loved Elizabethan. But um, one, of the, one of the features of moving to Elizabethan as a fourth grader is that it felt like for months, every conversation I had went like this. I would introduce myself, and the person would say, oh, you're not from around here, are you? They could just, just hear it in my voice, you know. Uh, and, then, <clears throat> and then I always wondered what came next. And for months, nothing came next. They weren't mean to me. They weren't hateful. They just... There just was no, that was it. I was them, and they were us, and I wasn't us. I remember one time, kind of in, in, in a context where I could say, why won't you let me, you know, be part of us? And I remember somebody said to me, oh, we don't mean nothing by it. You're just not from around here. 
I mean, it's like, we're not trying to be cruel. It's just true. You're not us. We're us, and you're them. And that was the first time that ever happened to me before. And it's not because I'd never done it. It's just because I'd always been us before. And other people had been them. That was the first time I'd ever been them. I didn't even know I was them or could be them until I all of a sudden wasn't us and I was them. And we just do this. It's just the most natural thing. We do it with other religions, right? You know, they're them and we're us and we don't know much about them or understand them or study them. We're we're not even very friends with many of them, but we just know they're them because we're us. We do this with other lifestyles. We do this with other patterns. Now, and then sometimes, of course, the them does turn into an enemy. You know, the us and them can become an enemy. And we talked about that last week. That means we've got to pray for them and at least, very least, hope they have a good lunch. But, but more often than not, the them just is them. Just kind of forgotten and ignored. We're not against them. We're just for us. And us comes first. One of the ways that this natural, I mean, it's just, it's just an instinctual human response. One of these ways this gets expressed throughout history, of course, is between nations. You know, this, this version of tribalism we call nationalism, where my nation is us and every other nation is them. Uh, my nation is first and every other nation is second. And again, it's just the most natural thing in the world. You just study world history. Almost every nation has done this. Got, developed a sense that we're us and they're them. And, and they're, the one thing we know about them is that they're not us. And, and sometimes, if, if we're not paying attention, it can feel like God feels the same way. After all, God did have a chosen people and a special nation. It can feel like maybe God's playing favorites, that God has an us and a them. Uh, In fact, certainly you look throughout uh, God's word, you see that God's people often thought that. They thought they were us and everybody else was them. But what they missed is something very important about our God. And if we want to love like Jesus, we can't miss this about our God. Is that whenever God chooses a special person, it's so, to, it's so that God can bless other people. And whenever God chooses a special people, it's so that God can bless all people. The only time God ever chooses an us is so that God can more effectively love them. And it's true all throughout God's word. Very beginning, Genesis 12, 1 through 4. I love this text. I quote it all the time, but it reminds us of why God chooses an us. Whenever God chooses an us, it's so God can bless all of them. It says this, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your father's country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse you. He says, you're going to be an us. You'll be somebody. You'll be a special nation, but look why. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. It was true in the founding of God's people. It was true. We saw, see this in the law of God's people. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, but just it's, it's relevant to this text. Leviticus 19.33, smack in the middle of the law. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. 
The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourselves, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He says, listen, you may think they're them and you're us. You know, like, like the kids on the playground, you're not from around here, are you? And, and God just says, you know, I, I don't care. There, there's no us, there's no, them, there's no them. Everybody who's an us or them gets treated the same way in verse 34. The prophets, God kept sending the prophets to remind people that God does not have an us-them vision of the world. Uh, I love this, Isaiah 56, starting in verse 6. Any foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord and minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It is so important that we don't forget this. Jesus did not invent the idea that all people from every nation were welcome in God's house. That was the idea from the very beginning. All people from every nation were welcome in God's house. God goes on, the sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles from Israel, so the same one who gathers up Israel, God's chosen nation, goes on, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. I'm going to gather other people too. There's no us and there's no, no them in the love of God. And this same truth, it goes all the way to the end. Revelation chapter 7, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes they were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. From the beginning to the end of the witness of Scripture is the reminder that though it is a natural human tendency to divide up the world in between us and them, just because it's our habit, it's not God's habit. The only time ever God has ever named an us, it's so that through the us, God could bless all of them. But though God has been perfectly consistent in God's love for all people, God's people frequently forgot. Again and again, the prophets come to God's people to remind them of what they've forgotten. Here's how Jeremiah says it. This is what the Lord says Go down to the palace of the king of Judah. Proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord to you, king of Judah, who sits on David's throne, your officials and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who's been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. Do not shed innocent blood. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, then the king who sits on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots and horses, accompanied by their officials and the people. But if you do not obey these commands, declares the Lord, I swear by myself that this palace will become a ruin. The prophet shows up and says, you think you're us and they're them. Well, here's what I'm saying. Unless us start taking care of them, 
There ain't going to be no us. I mean, the prophets are just clear again and again. As long as us think we're better than them or us forget about them or us don't love them, then God's going to come and, and, and discipline us because we're not loving them. But boy, is it easy, isn't it? I'm just telling you, this is the most natural of human tendencies to fall back into the pattern of us and them. Maybe we know better than to say that they're our enemies, but they sure aren't us. They aren't our neighbors. And God keeps sending prophets again and again to God's people to say there is no us and them. There's only us and that's everybody, and God loves everybody, and God's for everyone. Again and again, God keeps sending people. But sometimes, sometimes the very people that God needs to get this truth miss it. Sometimes the one who misses the truth that God is for everybody is the prophet themselves. I don't know if any of you have ever read the story of Jonah it's it's a popular one in kids literature because it has that one scene where the fish swallows the guy and that's pretty cool but if you've ever read the other parts of that story it it's one of the saddest stories in the whole bible I'm, I'll read a little bit of it to you I'm going to skip the cool part with the fish and just read the sad parts Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah runs away. It's interesting about this story. At this point in the story, God's word doesn't tell us why Jonah runs away. I, I, I confess, I always kind of thought he probably ran away because he was afraid to go to the big scary city of Nineveh. I always assumed it was his fear. And then all the stuff with the fish happens. He's on a boat. There's a storm. He's in a fish. He prays. God rescues him. I told you we were going to skip the cool stuff with the fish. You can go back and read that yourself. Skip with me to chapter 3, verse 1. He's out of the fish now. He's repented of running away. He's ready to obey God. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust, and this is the proclamation he issued by in Nineveh. 
By the degree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone urgently call upon God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. It's just the story you'd want to tell, isn't it? A missionary bravely goes to a people who do not know about the, 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 the God that, that loves them and longs for them. A missionary preaches the truth of God and they repent and God is gracious. Some of you know what happens next. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Isn't this what I tried to prevent by going to Tarshish? I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who always relents from sending calamity. God, just kill me now. I would rather be dead than live in this world. It's possible for a person to be so blinded by the world's pattern of us and them that they have stopped caring for the eternal salvation of another group of people. It, it can happen. I mean, it, it happened to Jonah. He was a prophet. Right? I mean, I figure if Jonah, if a prophet of God can be so blinded by the natural impulse of us and them that he can literally stop caring about the salvation of a whole nation. Well, I'll just be clear. If it can happen to Jonah, it can happen to me. Okay? We just got to be clear. Maybe it's not true of you, but I am not better than Jonah. He was a prophet of God. Nobody said that about me. Okay? And my hunch is if it, if it can happen to Jonah, my hunch is it could happen to you. That's my hunch. I don't know who your them is, you know? Or, or who your us is, really. Who the us that you're part of is. Uh, maybe, like Jonah, it's another country. And, you know, you don't think about them too much. And most days you're just so focused on your country. Why well, think about that country? But, yeah, you, you wouldn't travel there to preach the gospel. That's for sure. You know, maybe they're not even your enemy. They're just, just them because they're not us. And because they're not us, maybe, you know, you, you're willing to mock them or ignore them or belittle them. Or despise them. I don't know that this is happening to you. I'm just saying if it, if it can happen to Jonah, it, it could happen to me and probably could happen to you too. 
Maybe your them is some group of people that has a different lifestyle. Maybe it's the LGBT community and you've just decided that, that I, I'm us and they're them and so I can mock them and, and ignore them and despise them and belittle them and, and it's, it doesn't matter because not, that's not us, that's them. Or maybe you're, you're, you're them is, is people of a, who speak another language or it's another race or maybe it's people of another socioeconomic class or it's young people or it's old people or I don't know, I don't know who it is. I'm just telling you that us, them thinking is the easiest way to organize the world. Everybody does it. It's the easiest thing. It's the most natural thing. It's the most human thing. It's just not a Jesus thing. There's just no us and them for God. There's only us. And everybody is us. One great big us. And God loves us. God loves everybody. Because God is for everyone. Jesus was almost done with his earthly ministry. He just had a few conversations left. He gathers his disciples for one of these final conversations. Acts chapter 1 tells us how it went down. They gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Oh my goodness. They're still asking about us. Not about them, but about us. Oh, man. He said for them, it is not for you to know the dates or the times that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Jesus says, you've got questions about us? And when the blessing comes to us, I want to tell you about them and how I'm going to send you to them, to love them and care for them and, and, and be interested in them and share the gospel with them. I, I really think we've got plenty of people who think like Jonah. I mean, and I'm one of them sometimes. We just need more people who think like Jesus, who just says, we're not going to talk about us today. We're going to love them today, and I'm going to send you to them. I, I want to just be real practical. I, I think a lot of us, I know I need this. I need some strategies for how to think less like Jonah and more like Jesus, okay? Because thinking like Jonah is way too easy for me. Uh, a couple, here's some really super concrete strategies. Um, we do have a class coming up, uh, Wednesday nights, March 6th. It's called God's Heart for the Nations. And it's about exactly this. How do we stop thinking like Jonah and start thinking like Jesus and love them? You know, uh, recognize that the us-them paradigm is destroying us, destroying our own souls and destroying the world. And how do we break free from that? God's Heart for the Nations, you'll hear it advertised, starts March 6th. Um, if you just want to just want to love some people who are who have made this who are living like Jesus not like Jonah We've got an event March 24th. We're going to do a thing uh, for our missionaries write cards of encouragement to our missionaries These are people on the front line trying to break down the us them divide trying to love people trying to obey what Jesus says there in Acts 1 6 um, We got a prayer card and I was supposed to write in my notes how we get the prayer card Does anybody in this room know how they get the prayer card? It's in the pews already, they're telling me. There's a prayer card in the pews right there. Hold it up right there. You got it. There it is right there. Grab one of these. 
Uh, this will teach us, it, 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 prayer is a great way to begin to let God work on your heart to make you a little less like Jonah and a little more like Jesus. Uh, so grab one of these prayer cards on the way out. Uh, the second thing I would just really challenge you to do um, is maybe you could go back and read um, Jonah chapter 2. That's the part with the fish, you know. In the middle of Jonah chapter 2, Jonah prays this amazing prayer. It's a prayer where he recognizes just how saved he is. And that if there ever was an us that's with God and a them that's not with God, he was part of the them, not the us. And only by God's grace and God's salvation does he now know he's part of the us. And maybe that's a place where I need to start. And maybe you need to start. Is to get back into prayer with God, praying for them. I mean, you know who your them is, right? Maybe it's other nations or other people or it's a lifestyle or it's another generation. Maybe us is people with tattoos and them is people without tattoos. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe us is old people and them is young people. Or maybe us is young people and them is old people. Whoever them is, maybe you could just have a conversation with God like Jonah did. Maybe you just need to tell God. Some of you today need to tell God, God, if you need me to go love them, I will go love them. I will not flee to Tarshish. That might be the prayer you need to pray today. God, I will not flee to Tarshish if you ask me to love them. And you'll be surprised. You start praying that prayer. You tell God that you are willing to love them, whoever your them is. God might up and send you. He might send you to the very them you didn't think you ever could love. My, my favorite thing about this truth that we're exploring, the, the truth that every human being divides the world into us and them except Jesus who charts a different way, the truth that most people are like Jonah and only a few people live like Jesus in this matter. My favorite thing about this truth is this. If we get this, if we love them and treat them like us, we will stand out in this world. We will stand, people will notice that. It will be different. I told you my story of moving to East Tennessee. We lived in Elizabethan. I loved living in Elizabethan, but those first months were hard. Every time, every conversation, you're not from around here, are you? You're not from around here, are you? I, I will never forget the first person who made me feel like us. I still see him every once in a while, not very often. He still lives in the area. We went to elementary school and whatever together. But I don't know, wherever our lives lead us, wherever our lives go, I will never forget the first kid who walked over me on the playground when nobody else would have a single conversation with me that didn't just end with, oh, you're not from around here. And he walked over. And he just treated me like us. I mean, we played, it was stupid. I can tell you what we talked about, but it was the dumbest conversation ever. Well, all that mattered was that Mac McKinney treated me like I was us. I will never forget him. That's our opportunity. If we love like Jesus, if we treat them like us and love them like we would love us, we will stand out in this world. We will be noticed. And what they'll notice 
is that we're just a little bit like Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, teach us to resist the temptation of our world to turn the world into us and them and to love us a little more than we love them. Teach us, God, to have your heart for the whole world where there is no them and everybody's us because you, God, love everybody. Because you, God, are for everyone. Teach us to love like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.